You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. Welcome to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community. This is Ben Wolf, as always, your host. Uh, we're going to learn from our guest today how to find confidence in conflict uh, and encourage everybody to pause for a moment, subscribe follow, star, like, leave a review, whatever it is that you're allowed to do on whatever platform you are listening to or watching this on uh, will help us get the word out and share the value that we are sharing here with more people. Definitely encourage you to do that. Um, So without further ado, I want to get into introducing, get into introducing our guest today, who is the founder and director of the American Negotiation Institute, uh, whose mission is to empower professionals through the art and science of persuasion, conflict resolution, and effective communication. He is the author of Finding Confidence in Conflict, How to Negotiate Anything and Live Your Best Life. Uh, The Amazon link is going to be in the description and the social media. We will talk today also about how to successfully negotiate a fractional leadership engagement, since we have a special focus on fractional leadership on this show, uh, to avoid disaster later on, uh, you know, by addressing stuff in the negotiation stage before you actually enter into an engagement. You can find out more about Quam, about our guest's work. I don't want to reveal the name until the next line in my bullet points uh, at the American Negotiation Institute. I'm sorry, AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com. No, no the at the beginning. And with that, I give you Kwame Christian Esquire. Welcome, Kwame. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. And very, very happy to have you. And I guess if you could give us a couple minutes of background, two minute background on, I guess, you know, where you came from, how you got to be into this whole field of conflict and how, how that came about. Yeah. So I think to, to get an understanding of how I arrived here, we have to go back to undergrad because I think most people would say, okay, you're a lawyer. So that's why you're doing this because you negotiate business deals. Not exactly. So my undergrad degree is in psychology. I love psychology. And so I, um, when I was in school, I wanted to be a therapist for a while. And then, you know, some things happened and I became a lawyer, you know, I won't bore you with the details. Uh, But I was, uh, when I was in law school, and I took a negotiation course. I kind of just stumbled into the negotiation course because it fit into my my uh, calendar. Mm-hmm. I, that was the first time I saw psychology so clearly in the field of study of the law. And I said, listen, no matter what I do, this is going to be a major part of it. So I did a negotiation competition at the law school. We won, my partner and I, we won that. We were able to make it to the regional competition of the American Bar Association. Uh, competition in uh, Ottawa, Ontario. We won that too. And then we made it to the semifinals of the national competition in um, Louisiana. So I said, yeah, this has to be part of it. So for me, my entire career was kind of finding a way back to negotiation as a specialty. And Mm -hmm. so me practicing business law was really just homing my skills to become a better teacher of negotiation. So I still Mm -hmm. practice, not very much, but I still practice to make sure that I can keep my my skills sharp. I'm a mediator as well. And so I want to make sure that I still get my hands dirty and and, um, still have the skills of a a practitioner because I know that makes me a better teacher. And so that's really what it is for me. I just, I just love helping people to um, have these difficult conversations because we believe the best things in life are on the other side of difficult conversations. And I just want to help people to live that best version of their life. Right. That's awesome. And, you know, it's interesting. I guess most people go into it the other way that, you know, they, 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 they want to go into transactional law or they want to go into litigation and 
you know, just in order to do that, you can't do that until after negotiations. So you've got to, you've got to get there, but you know, your, your passion is, is that side of it. So coming into law, the other direction. Uh, and I think we've talked about this before. I'm, I was in bankruptcy and corporate restructuring law for a few years uh, before I got into this entrepreneurial stuff. So, um, you know, one of the, one of the main focuses on the show and, and for me personally is the whole area of fractional leadership, right? Is people, uh, you know, business owners engaging with, uh, experienced executives uh, who maybe they don't need or can't afford someone of that caliber full, caliber full time yet, so they bring them on fractionally, maybe a day a week, whatever the commitment is, to be a part of the leadership team and to bring on a lot a level of experience that they would have never been able to find or afford otherwise, on a full time basis. Um, but dealing with this industry, so you have all these people engaging at a very intimate level of their business and like bringing someone on their leadership team, you know, even though they're not being hired, but there's, it's, it's still a very deep engagement. There's big, big hopes and dreams associated on the business owner side with what they're hoping to achieve or the, or the problems and challenges and bottlenecks they're trying to get over by bringing this person on board the CMO, COO, CFO, whatever it happens to be. Um, you know, so, how do they in the negotiation stage deal with the, the touchy issues that maybe they don't want to talk about, or maybe the fractional leader is afraid of like losing the deal and, you know, uh, of not getting the client. I get, how, how do they deal with touchy issues? You know, I think some of the things like, like nailing down deliverables, what's expected, having hard conversations about that so that we don't get, you know, have expectations dashed later on uh, by not talking those things out in advance. Uh, what happens when the, the fractional leader needs vacation time? Like, how do you handle that? They don't, they don't want to feel like they're not available. And so they're afraid to say that they ever take vacations, like that they're human. So like, you know, what advice do you have, I guess, for both business owners and fractional leaders, I guess, start wherever you want on successfully navigating that negotiation phase before the engagement even begins? Yes. So first of all, let's start off with empathy, because I know a lot of people struggle with difficult conversations. They're really awkward. And the reason why I'm so passionate about this is because I'm a recovering people pleaser. That's what uh -huh. the whole first book was about, overcoming that confidence, figuring out what those psychological barriers are. So I can I can empathize with the reality that it's tough. And then the other reality that is, I think, unfortunate, given the first reality, is that <laughs> if you want to be successful in this role, you have to have those difficult conversations because avoidance of difficult conversations is the thing that makes difficult conversations unnecessarily difficult. So for example, just like, a, like we have plants in the front yard, so this is top of mind, weeds. I don't like dealing with weeds, but right. if I wait, the weeds get big and thorny and now it's a bigger issue to deal with. And so avoiding the conversation doesn't lead to completely avoiding the conversation. It just leads to avoiding the conversation now. So you're satisfying your present day comfort, but causing problems in the future for yourself. Right. So going back to what you said, Ben, about expectations, this is really what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. When you think about any relationship, business or uh, personal, the single thing that leads to the breakdown of all relationships is the violation of expectations. And so for instance, when it comes to communication for us as, as lawyers, right? I might say I'm good communication is I update you when something happens. And then for the client, they might say good communication is you update me weekly. And so they might say I'm a bad communicator, but it's really a violation of expectations. We didn't have that important conversation. Right. Us. And so here's the thing. If taking vacation is in fact a problem, 
I want to know that now because it doesn't make it not a problem in the future <laughs> because right. the, the reality is not all deals are meant to be had. We're testing out the waters in this. So I think really what we have to do is we need to be honest with ourselves before going into the conversation, figuring out what are the most important things for to address and then be very transparent at the beginning and let people know, hey, before we move forward, we need to get clarity on these things and explain why you're going through this process because they might be conflict avoided as, as well. But the reason why we do this is because we care about the relationship. And so we express that very clearly at the beginning and that's how we lead into the conversation. Right. Right. No, that's it's great. It's great advice. And what 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 do you suggest? I I know you have approaches that you teach people, right, on how to. Okay, so let's say I want to broach this topic of deliverables, or broach the topic of vacation, or you know, let's get let's give the let's go with the vacation example. What yeah. advice would you give either side of how to broach those those things that I don't know where you're afraid of the result, or you're afraid of what's going to happen, uh, or you're a people pleaser. Like how, how do you, how do you advise that people broach those tough conversations? Yeah. Sometimes starting it is the most awkward part, right? right? It would be easier if we were just like dropped into the conversation, but it has to start. It's especially awkward if the other person doesn't recognize that a difficult conversation has to happen. So I have a simple framework, both for entering the conversation and a simple framework that you can use during the conversation. Mm -hmm. So entering the conversation, three-part formula, situation, impact, invitation. Nobody wants to be pushed, so we want to invite them so they have a choice in the matter. Okay, mm -hmm. so situation, what is the situation? We want to explain it using what I call naked facts. So these are facts stripped of all judgment, interpretation, all those things. Just what both parties can say, this is in fact the situation. No problem there. And then the impact, what is the impact it's having on you? Again, personalize it so it, they can't say, actually, no, that's not the case. And then mm -hmm. invitation, let's have the conversation. So let's use vacation as an example. So we say, hey, listen, I know we're about to start working together. Uh, it's summertime and my family, we usually go on a trip during the summer. And that's very important to, to me, my wife, my kids. And so I mm -hmm. want to have this conversation with you just to make sure that we're on the same page and nobody's surprised. Are you open to having a conversation like that? Boom. That's it. Right. Super smooth. Right. right. Um, and so I'll, I'll pause there before I give the second approach. Right. No, it's, it's, it's good. It's 20 seconds. What you just said, you know, and the impact you talk about the importance to your family, you know, or, you know, whatever the facts, ha whatever the facts happen to be. Um, so that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, yeah, it does. Look, if you break it down that way, I guess you, you put it that, you know, situation impacts uh, invitation gives you the, you know, I guess it just gives you a quick framework to make it easy. And it really is easy once you, you know, when you say it that way, what, what's exactly. the second thing you were going to say? Yep. And the second thing is my approach to difficult conversations. It's called compassionate curiosity. And so it's a three-part framework. And so what you do first is acknowledge and validate emotions. Second, get curious with compassion. And third, joint problem solving. So acknowledge and validate emotions, get curious with compassion, joint problem solving. And it's designed to help you both at work and at home with all of your difficult conversations. And it's designed for specifically emotional conversations too. So once you recognize that somebody's displaying a little bit of an emotional challenge here, what we would say is it sounds like, or it seems like, and we're going to label the emotion. So it, it sounds like this had a real impact on you. 
it seems as though what I said is probably, it might inconvenience you going forward. Is that right? And so we want to label that emotion and give them an opportunity to share, express themselves. And then with validation, all we're saying is that makes sense. I, I can understand, given your perspective, how you got to that point. We want to summarize and let them know, I see you. That makes sense. This is just empathy. And then with getting curious with compassion, what we're doing is we're asking open-ended questions, who, what, where, when, and how, avoiding why in really tough conversations, because oftentimes that could be seen as judgmental. And so just gathering information, learning more about the situation from their perspective, and then transitioning into joint problem solving, where we're collaboratively working together. So the nice thing about this framework is that even it, it can seem really confusing as the conversation develops. There's a lot going on in our head, but this framework tells you exactly what to say and when to say it. Anytime right. you see emotions, acknowledge and validate. If there's nothing else, no emotional issue, then we're going to ask questions and gather information. If we have en enough information, then we work together to solve the problem. Super simple. Right. I really like that. And, and it, it um, you know, the, the challenging part, you know, I, I'm sure I speak for people listening to this and for myself. I say that the challenging part of this is that if I disagree with that person, and I know that going in, then I'm tempted to feel that by acknowledging and validating their feelings, and again, even, even though it's not technically true based on the way you described it, yep. I'm tempted to feel if I acknowledge and validate their feelings or if I ask curious questions without yet you know, offering my own opinion, but just understand their side, that I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm conceding to something that I disagree with and or that i think is wrong for some reason um so how, how do you how do you advise that we self-talk or that how do we respond to our own inner voice that makes us hesitant to acknowledge and validate yeah. what other people are feeling and so here's the thing i, I want to keep, focus in on one word that you said ben because you said it it feels like I'm agreeing, right? And so that inside of us, that is an emotional desire. That's our ego wanting to come out. It's not a, a rational thing. It's more of an emotional thing that leads us to want to, to say something. And um, one of the things I always say about empathy is that empathy isn't a concession. It's a necessary part of persuasion because we almost have to earn the right to be able to tell somebody that they are wrong, <laughs> right? Because in their minds, they're saying, you haven't even listened to me well enough to be able to be in a position to know that I am in fact wrong. <laughs> so essentially what we're doing is we're proving that we're understanding. And a lot of times people just want to be heard. And so with empathy, we're not agreeing. What we're doing is we're getting an understanding of how they see, think, and feel about the situation, just purely from their perspective. Right. And this information is vital for us because I can't be effective in this conversation without the information. And I can sincerely empathize with that reality because Ben, I know for me, because I, I have an ego, I have an ego. Like I all know, of us. Right? <laughs> I know I'm listening well when it kind of hurts. Mm -hmm. Like when I, there's so much that I want to say, right. but I'm holding it back. And so this, this, the way that I think about it, is I sequence my conversations in terms of level one and level two communication. Level one, strictly empathy. All I'm doing is seeking to understand, just getting an understanding of others. I don't, I'm not trying to, I don't, I don't have any agenda right now. All I'm doing- Information is gathering. Exactly. And like, I want to get to the point where somebody says, I don't have anything else to say. 
how rare is that in a conversation for somebody to just be like out of right. words, right? That's my goal. And then level two per, is persuasion. That's, that's when I start to persuade, but I sequence it. I, I bifurcate, bifurcate the conversation. Mm-hmm. And what I found is that it lessens the amount of resistance that is that people give you because you've approached it this way because they feel heard. And the thing is, people want to reciprocate. If one of the best ways to get somebody to listen to you is if you listen to them first. And so when you're listening, it's not just listening effectively, it's also proving that you're listening by summarizing and asking if you have it correctly. So correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you're saying X, Y, Z, is that right? And then you can move on through the conversation and advance that way. All right. That's awesome stuff. I'm glad we're talking about this. I, you know, the next thing I wanted to, I wanted to cover, it's really an application of what you were just talking about is, okay, let's say we're in an engagement, right? A client and a business owner. So there's a disappointment. Let's say, let's take your example from before uh, about communication, right? And, you know, business owner assumed that I would have regular communication. I want to know when nothing has happened. If you say nothing, then I, I assume maybe you're, you're sleeping on the job. Like you're not actually taking care of this. Um, not that, not, not that there's no new developments. Right. And then, like you said, let's say the fractional leader thinks in the engagement or any, you know, vendor or whatever thinks in the, in an engagement, you know, well, I'll say something when there's something to say, you know, and like, that's their assumption. Um, and now there's three weeks that's gone by like this where, the business owner is getting more and more and more anxious. Uh, either the fractional leader is noticing the anxiousness and the business owner is just not seeing it yet because he's like, when's this fractional leader, you know, when's this guy going to say something? And he's getting more annoyed and anxious. And the fractional leader is like, why is this guy getting so annoyed? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so like, um, let's just take that story. Let's just take that example. I could, like maybe give an example of, yeah. of, of what it looks like to use either the, I mean, I guess there's emotions here. So maybe using the acknowledge, validate, curious questioning uh, or, or, or the first method. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Whatever you think. Ben, if you are open to this, maybe we could just do an impromptu work uh, role play. Okay. Who should be, role. who should be who? I'll be the, I'll be the fractional leader. You okay. could be the anxious business I'll be the owner. business owner. Yeah. Got it. And so, so let's pick up the conversation where it, like, let's say the conversation just started. But I, and I think everything's okay because I'm just working quietly behind the scenes, right. but I'm picking up on some tension. Right. And so this is where I would start. So I would start off again, let's run, run through the scenario so you, people can kind of try to identify what I'm doing at what point. So acknowledge and validate emotions, mm-hmm. get curious with compassion, joint problem solving. So first I recognize some tension, but I'm not exactly sure. So I'll ask in a humble but curious way, but acknowledging the emotions. And then we'll mm-hmm. just jump in here. So Hey, Ben, I might be off base with this, but correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you might be a little bit uncomfortable with how the, how our relationship is operating right now. Am I, am I sensing that right? Or am I way off base? Well, I mean, I don't know about the relationship, uh, you know, I guess I, if I guess if I had to think about it, I guess what's bothering me is that, I mean, I don't actually know what you're doing. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I haven't heard anything about Project Alpha, you know, that we were working on, um, you know, in a while. I, you know, I just, I don't know. I, 
I guess I'm, I'm assuming from the fact that I haven't heard from you on it, that you're not working on it, but I, I you know, this is really important, you know, for the, for the future, uh, you know, of, of my business. Um, and so I guess I'm just, you know, kind of upset that, that maybe you're not, you're not working on this or you're not taking the priority of this thing seriously enough. Okay. And so let me just summarize real quick. So it sounds like what's bothering you the most is the fact that you haven't heard from me in a few weeks. And the concern is that since you haven't heard from me, you're not sure whether or not I'm really working on it, on the project. And Project Alpha is very important to you, important for your team and the success of the business. And so it sounds like you just want to make sure that me and my team, we're taking this seriously so that this project can be delivered in, in the best way project possible. Is that a fair synopsis? Um, yeah, I, yeah you, I think you nailed it. That's, no, what, that, that's what I'm saying. That makes a lot of sense. I, I I can definitely see where you're coming from. If you're not hearing from somebody, I, I can see how it's it's easy to come to the conclusion that we're not doing the job. So first of all, I want to apologize because that tells me that I didn't do a good job of setting expectations and letting you know my work style. So I apologize because that's a, that's a failure of communication on my part. Um, I want to know what I can do to make you feel more comfortable with the arrangement. What do you think? Um, well, I, I, I guess I would just like to hear from, hear from you on a regular basis, uh, like what's happening, even if nothing's happening or, you know, or that you're waiting on other people, but just that I feel like you're following up with them aggressively enough, like, you know, in, in you know, in, in relative to the importance of the project, uh, obviously not overboard, don't expect anything unreasonable, like, like, you know, waiting outside somebody's door, but, um, but yeah, I guess just regular communication. So I know like what's happening or if nothing's happening or what's been done to ensure things are moving forward, just so that I know that you're on top of it. And I don't want to, I just don't want to be left wondering. Gotcha. So it sounds like for you, you want to have regular communication. So, so you know that I'm on top of it and you know what's happening as well. And in order for me to do that, I need to know from your perspective, what you consider to be regular communication? Um, I guess um, I guess I would say about twice a week, probably. Okay. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter to me. I guess whether it's like an email or um, you know, or a text message, you know, or while we're on the phone, while while we're talking about something else, really could be any. I'm not really particular as to the you know the method. You know, not not doesn't have to be too formal. Okay, so it's it sounds like, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, it sounds like you're not as concerned as to my methodology. It seems as though the the bigger concern is to just frequency of communication, so you know what's happening. Is that right? Yeah, just not to be not to be left wondering, not to yeah. be wondering, because my mind will always go to the pessimistic side if I'm left wondering. Yep. No, I completely understand. That makes sense. So I think. Uh, what we could do is, so I'll start, I'll, I'll make sure that I have these two checkpoints weekly, just giving you either a quick email, short text, something like that, just so you know what's happening behind the scenes um, in order to give you a little bit more peace of mind on what's happening with Project Alpha. And um, is there anything else that I could do to, to kind of make sure th things go more smoothly going forward? Um, no, no, honestly, that's, that, that sounds perfect. I mean, look, uh, you know, otherwise, I mean, you know, with all the other things, all the people that you're, you're, you know, you're 
managing in my company, you know, I, I think that they've responded really well to you and, you know, you're achieving great things with them. And so everything else is great. And with, with what you just proposed, I think I would be happy as a clam. Perfect. All right. And scene. All right, Ben. So, so what do you think? Uh, it was great. There's no really, you know, you, you, you follow the approach that you took. There's really no way. I'm sure there's not no way, but there's almost no way that that could go wrong. <laughs> like, it just seems like, <laughs> like, you know, it's, you know, you, 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 you didn't propose a solution until after you had fully confirmed that you understood what kind of solution I wanted and what my issue was. And it clearly addressed it in the exact terms that I said. So, so that there, you know, it would seem like, like this uh, podcast should be required listening for anybody who is, oh, uh, who is, who is, who is in an, in an engagement with a, you know, with a high value client. I appreciate that. No. And, and I think here, here's something that I want to propose a, a metaphor here. I think about it kind of like the, a conversational highway. Mm -hmm. There's a general destination that I have. And so, but I want to stay on this highway, but the person on the other side, my conversational partner, they might suggest detours exits off the highway that will take us off track. Mm -hmm. And so there are opportunities where it's like, okay, they presented me with something. I could take us on tr off track, but I'm going to stay focused on the goal. And so just like we were talking about at the beginning, where we were saying how difficult it is to listen effectively, especially when you want to jump in when something's wrong, right. you have to recognize that facts and feelings are different things. But in the moment, especially when somebody's emotional, they feel the exact same way. And so a lot of times somebody will share facts, but it's really just an expression of feelings. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it at the beginning of the conversation where you were saying, I don't know if you're working, I, I don't know what's being done, those type of things. It's easy for the person who's working hard <laughs> to take right. offense to that and say, right. oh, no, you didn't. Okay, let me tell you what I did. I did this, I did that. No, not the time, that's your ego. So you right. have to check your email, ego and instead, you have to say this this fraction of the converse conversation is focused entirely on gathering information i want to not just information in terms of who what where when how and like what actually happened but more importantly and primarily emotional information as well how are you feeling mm -hmm. what are your perspectives those type of things i'm going to mm -hmm. reflect that back to you so you feel understood and then once i see that level of emotionality tension whatever it happens to be start to dissipate that's when i can transition to right. open-ended questions that are more problem-solving in nature. Right. Well, this is good stuff. I think, I think that, I think that with the acknowledging and validating emotions with, you know, cur curious questions and conversation and joint problem-solving like with that method, um, I think, I think with the points that you made about um, listening to them and understanding them is not the same as agreeing with them. And so I don't, I don't have to, or I could resist the impulse to you know get defensive, like you said, or or just immediately go to re, go to responding, um, and that and that and that it's almost like getting credentials to be able to state, you know, to be able to persuade or give their to give my position or to state my side is uh, you know it's almost like credentials of just like you know I don't I don't have the credentials I don't have the PhD that I don't have the uh, you know, I don't have the legal degree that allows me to, you know, charge clients for legal work unless I have, unless I have first shown that I'm listening and I understand. And then yeah, once I pass exactly. past that phase one, 
and I have the credentials to then go and persuade. And if I think of it in my head like that, you know, it can kind of limit my own, tamp down my own desire to talk or respond or defend. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to earn it. You have to earn it. And the thing that's frustrating is that, especially when you are hurt, when you felt as though you're the aggrieved party, you're not being treated fairly. Right. You're saying to yourself, they don't deserve this level of empathy, mm -hmm. right? They, I don't, I shouldn't have to earn the right to right. say my piece. And right. that those, those words by themselves in isolation, they make complete sense. But then when you take into consideration the reality of emotions and psychology and the way that the brain works, it doesn't make strategic sense. And right. so we have to remember this, we can't send a message unless the person is psychologically ready to receive it. We have to make sure that we take the time to get them in the appropriate mindset for them to receive the message. So we have to earn it. Right. Well, this is great. I, Kwame, I really, really appreciate you coming on and sharing this. I think it's extremely useful. I think the whole case study like improv that we did was great and it was very helpful and I think makes it very concrete for people, uh, even though obviously the principles and the way you taught it was great too. I think the two together are amazing. And I you know, just really appreciate you coming on today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Ben. My, well, definitely my pleasure. Thanks for coming on. And uh, well, hopefully, you know, again, share your information, AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com. You can find out more information about you there, get your book there on the uh, social media, on the podcast, uh, you know, description. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you coming on and uh, we'll see everybody else on the other side too. Thanks everybody. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. Ben Wolf.